mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, His Spirit in You. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 20 through 25. Here now... Pastor Moody. Amen. I want to go to the Word of God. I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 36. And I want to tell you that God is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel. And he's dealing with Israel about her past sins. And the judgment that he had brought upon Israel because the nation had been destroyed. And God begins to prophesy a word of restoration And this is what he says in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse number 27. He said, I will, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments. Now I want to tell you that the Lord is starting to speak to them and and uh, he says back in verse 25, he's, he's told them they're, they're in this condition because they have turned away from God. They've embraced the practices of the heathen and of the world and have committed spiritual fornication. But in verse 25, he says, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. Verse 26, he says, and I'm going to put... Also, uh, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And then in verse 27, our text, he says, And I will put my spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, in people, in a nation, and in us who have failed, who've turned away from God, who've been guilty of sin, David said we were conceived, born in sin. We're sinners by nature. And here is holy God saying, I am going to put the third person of the Trinity, Christ in you, dwelling in you by person of the Holy Ghost, living in a fallen, frail, frail, failed vessel that's been changed by the grace of God. I want to talk to you about His Spirit in you. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Touch us today and help us to just be obedient to the word of God and to the voice of God, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. I want to say this, like I said, being home and being in the office and having hours to just kind of seek the Lord. I started reading some of the great old preachers, and when you Google the name Charles Haddon Spurgeon, you will read these words. He was an English particular Baptist preacher. They were called particular Baptist. He was born June 19th, 1834. He died January 31st, 1892. Charles Spurgeon only lived to be 58 years old. Yet he remains highly influential, not just among Baptists, but among Pentecostals, among Christian churches, among every denomination. Charles Haddon Spurgeon is known as the Prince of Preachers. And 
you would think of him as being this eloquent, educated, and he was all of that very prolific speaker. But one of the things that I found as I began to study him was that he was plain spoken, yet he was powerfully anointed and he was a gifted preacher who could, who could guide congregations to the altar. This man of God gave his life, uh, amen, to the Lord and to the ministry, and he died in the field of ministry. I thought during all this downtime, as I said, I've taken the opportunity to study some of his works. And I found how, to me, how amazing it was that what he preached, even though there, that century's English vernacular was more drawn out and, and used a lot uh, a greater vocabulary of words than we do today, what I found out was that the Word of God spoke the same things to his generation in the 1800s as it's speaking to ours today. I thought like this, the times were perhaps less stressful, less busy. And unless God's Spirit had moved upon you like it moved upon Spurgeon and burdened his heart about humanity and about the circumstances of society, Spurgeon was quoted, his, famous, his quotes were famous, and he was quoted as saying as he traveled the country of England and France and America during those days, he said, when I went into their great cathedrals and great churches, he said, you would have been largely unaware that there was a Holy Spirit or a third person of the Trinity. He said, you heard much talk about the Father. You heard much quoting and preaching about Jesus. But there was very little evidence of the Spirit of God literally living in the lives of people. Church had become, by and large, in his day a formality. It was ceremonial. It was liturgical. And Spurgeon found himself stirred, amen, to challenge people to turn back to God. And his quotes were famous, and people would say things like, choose the lesser of two evils, but Spurgeon would say, of two evils, choose neither. He was famous for this quote. He said, oh, brethren, be great believers. He said, little faith can take you to heaven, but great faith can bring heaven to you. He would speak to society and say things like, you cannot slander human nature. It's worse than words can paint it. And he would say, humility is to make a right estimates of oneself. He said this, he said, a lie can travel halfway around the world before truth can get its shoes on. That's how society was. And that was before Facebook and before the internet, I might add. And uh, he, he was a man that, that, uh, that spoke what he thought, thought and what he saw. And I thought how things and hum, human attitudes and, and appearances and, and presentation have changed since then. I look at our world today and I think, God, how are we going to cope with what's going on? Can I say it in our city, in our county, our country, around the world? It's amazed to me. I'm amazed that born-again believers have allowed ourselves to be so derailed from turning to God by what's going on. I have been guilty of some of this myself and uh, maybe you have, and I know many are, of uh, spending time watching the news reports, which I want to tell you I've stopped doing. I've stopped listening to propaganda. I'm in the Word of God more now than possibly ever was. And we, we, we listen to news reports, many people do, but never read the Word of God. 
And that's so obvious today because I hear many people misquote the Word of God. Hey, can I say it? I hear many of them misrepresent the Word of God and what it says and what it teaches and never even flinch when they're doing it. I'm a pastor of over 42 years studying and preaching and living from the pages of God's Word. I want to say this. I have to have it right for my profession and what I do. But can I tell you as a believer, so must you. In these months of COVID, I've watched as family members and friends have died. I've, I've watched them, uh, families go through the horror of restricted funerals and not being able uh, as ministers and, and family members to even be in the hospital with our loved one. And understand me, I've seen none uh, die close to me or around me of the COVID. I've heard of some in other places and I know it's happening and I'm not downplaying that. But can I tell you that every day people are dying of heart disease? Can I tell you every day people are dying with cancer? Can I tell you every day people are dying as a result of violence and drug overdose, uh, drug overdose and, and other maladies and other uh, um, physical malfunctions and they're dying as a result of murder. They're dying as a result of accidents. I wish somebody hear me. I want to tell you death is on the rampage. The enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying. And the truth is that Hebrews 9 27 said it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Yet the COVID pandemic and the senseless murders by some out of control police officers, I said some of them, the violence that has in response consumed our nation. All that we're seeing that's going on, I'm appalled and shocked that it has not turned men back to God, but it's just turned them against each other. This week I, I saw something that the University of Kentucky football team released and these youngsters seem to make more sense to me than anything I've seen in the media lately and unless some of you get upset now this is this is not Bible but they're not preachers and I want you to hear what they said what they released it's titled United and they said to promote influence to the public to learn understand and embrace our racial cultural and spiritual differences and similarities we are a diverse team we want our voices and actions to influence the community to make a positive change. Do you hear that? I don't see that, amen, coming out of Washington. I don't hear that coming out of Frankfurt. I don't see that in the media today. And I must say this, what these young people are saying, they're lofty ambitions, but you hear me, they're out of the reach of human potential. I don't doubt that, that politicians of both parties in their heart of hearts think that they can make a difference. But sir, ma'am, whoever you are, I have to say it, where we are now is beyond your capability. Oh, hallelujah. I want to say it. We've watched it for centuries. Amen. The best and the worst of human potential fail every generation and every race and every culture. Psalm 127 in the New King James Version said this in verse 1 and 2. It said, unless the Lord 
build the house. They labor in vain who built it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Listen, he said, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For he, the Lord, alone gives his beloved sleep. Amen. So now, here's my text. I'm ready to preach. Ezekiel 36 and 27. And I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and do them. This is a word from God. Hallelujah. It was a word, amen, in Spurgeon's day. It was a word in the 60s, amen, in the civil rights movements and the Vietnam War going on. It was a word in the 70s and the 80s and the Gulf War and all that's been going on in our world. But can I tell you, it's more than that. It's a word for all generations since the day God spoke it. My question is, have you ever heard it in your heart? Listen, man's biggest problem is within him. It's not around him. Amen. The spirit of the world, amen, has taken over the lives of men. I want to say this. Men have rose from the brutality of slavery, not just in America, but in every nation and every generation, all the way back to the days of Israel. They've rose from the bondage of poverty. We've heard heard the stories and seen them of men who went from rags to riches only to die. Many of them drunken, drugged, overdosed, lost, died and went to hell without God. I want to tell you, the only hope for humanity is His Spirit in you. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God in the valley of dry bones was the breath that blew and raised an army up to its feet. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus should have understood from this very prophecy that God was going to send a Savior and there was going to come a day when the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, would live in the life of a man. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise him right there. Glory to God. This, I think, is perhaps one of the most important phrases, words, in the Bible, especially for right now. I want you to say it with me. God said, I will put my spirit in you. What does that say about God? The God of heaven, the God of creation, the same spirit that moved on creation day. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. The earth was void and without form. And the spirit of God moved on the face of the deep. The same spirit that came, amen, when Gabriel spoke to little Mary and said to her in that annunciation that the power of the highest would overshadow her and that thing that would be conceived in her by the Holy Spirit would be called the Son of God. That same Spirit that Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to send another comforter, the precious Holy Spirit. And Jesus said when he comes, he'll teach you all things whatsoever I've said to you. Amen. And he'll be in you. He'll be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll take Take the church out of the world. You hear me, folks. Our answer is a fresh visitation. Amen. Not just a visitation, but an indwelling, a habitation. You need God's Spirit in you to survive this world that we're living in. 
I thought like this. When I hear that word, I will put my spirit. I, I don't know if I'm saying this right or not. I want you to get this. I'm going to tell you that the God of heaven, God the Holy Ghost, wants to live in you. Hallelujah. It's essential. But listen, it's a gracious word that holy God would come and dwell in us. The unholy is unimaginable. It's unthinkable. But being born again, being saved, as I said a moment ago, it's not a human possibility. It's not a human capability. Amen. It is the grace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul, the great apostle of grace, wrote these words. He said, but God. <laughs> Say that with me right there. I, I saw a text this morning. Today's my, my youngest daughter's birthday. Uh, it seemed like yesterday she was that little girl in my arms. And I won't tell your age now because we're live. But, but uh, I saw a, a text this morning where one of her cousins who calls her sister and said to her, this has been an unthinkable, horrible year, but God. Hallelujah. And Paul says uh, here in this word, he says, but God who is rich in mercy. Listen, you don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. We're not, none of us deserving of anything, amen, but death and hell because we're sinners by nature and sinners by choice. But these two words, but God, hallelujah, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us. Even when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved and has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kind, and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Listen to verse eight, very familiar verse, but listen to it. For by grace are you saved through faith. Here it is. That not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. I will put my spirit in you. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, what grace that God would say to a sinner, to a fallen generation, to a fallen world, to a fallen nation, to America. Amen. God would look at them and say, I will put my spirit in you. I want somebody to hear me today. The spirits that are being fanned and flamed that are driving the media, driving the politicians, driving the reactions in the streets, driving the reactions in the sports arenas, driving reactions of the World Health Organization and the Dr. Fauci and all of the medical professionals who are looking at the men of God and women of God and saying our decisions trump the word of God. But Jesus said, I was sick and you didn't visit me. I was in prison and you didn't visit me. They said, Lord, when did we ever see you sick or in prison? He said, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. I'd like to tell our governor, I'd like to tell the president, I'd like to tell the Congress, anybody that'll listen, the Great Commission didn't come from Washington. It came from the lips of Jesus himself when he said, go ye into all the world and teach all nations and preach this gospel. We're called by God, amen, to carry this and it has to be in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. We're called of God to visit. We're called of God to pray. 
I want to say this. I think the spiritual health of America is deteriorating because they've tried to shut down the move of God. The governor of California fining churches $5,000 a service for opening up and $5,000 for singing praises. That man will face the judgment of God. God said, I will put my spirit in you. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Let me, let me move on. And the next thing I want you to notice about that, not only is it a gracious word, hear me, it's a divine word, a divine word. It didn't come from Washington. It didn't come from Frankfurt. It didn't come from some loose-tongued news reporter trying to make a name for himself or keep his job or promote his narrative, no matter how well-intentioned he or she may be. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Tommy Bates said, something divine means it came from heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that, isn't that simple but powerful? This is a divine word from God himself. I will put my spirit in you. I want to say this to every born again believer, every spirit filled believer, every child of God, that that lives in you is divine. It's not just an emotion. It's not just some little gift that you tinker with. It's the third person of the Trinity. It's God the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, those that believe on me as the scripture have said, out of their belly will flow rivers, amen, of living water. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. In Psalm 46, it said, the streams whereof make glad the city of God, the tabernacles of the Most High. You know what God is saying? He's saying, my church, he said, where is the house that you will build for me. God's saying my house is not the, 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 the block and brick and, and stones and mortar and boards and plaster, but my house is the body of Christ. Those who know Jesus, he said, I have put my spirit in you. That's a divine word. Joel said it like this. He said, it'll come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, Joel 2, 28, will prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, <coughs> your young men shall see visions. And also, upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I want you to get a hold of that. Joel prophesied, God said, I will pour out my spirit. I wish you'd raise your hands and say it's his spirit. It's divine. It's not a spirit. It's not some spirit. It's, it's not some carnal fleshly trick gimmick gag show. The Holy Spirit is God. Hallelujah. Be careful what you say about the move of God. Be careful what you say about the move of the Holy Ghost. Be careful how you handle the gifts and the workings of the Holy Ghost because God's not playing games. He's preparing us, amen, for the rapture of the church. He's preparing us for the coming of the Lord. And what we see happening in our world today is fulfilling Bible prophecy. And soon and very soon the the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of God's going to sound, hear me. And those in whom this spirit dwells are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye, the dead in Christ. Those who've died with this spirit are coming out of the ground. Those of us who are alive and remain, you might think this is crazy. It's the word of God, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up with them together in the clouds.
clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The only way you're leaving, sir, it's not by your church denomination or your church membership or your profession. You're leaving by the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It will quicken us and lift us up, hallelujah, to meet the Lord in the air. He said, I'll pour my, upon my servants and my handmaidens in those days. I will pour out my spirit. He said, your old men will dream dreams, young men see visions. I'll pour out my spirit on my servants, on my handmaidens. Amen. No, no prejudice, no discrimination on everybody that will receive it. Verse 30, I'll show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire, pillars of smoke. Y'all been watching that news report. That's what you see, blood, fire, vapors of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, listen, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. Listen, Acts chapter 2 fulfilled the initial part of that in the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were in one place with one accord. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. Tongues of fire set up on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak in tongues. And from that day they began to minister in the power of the Spirit. But you hear me, the latter part of that prophecy is about to be poured out. I believe God's saying we're about to see the blood, the fire, the sun darken, the moon turn to blood. We're about to see signs in the heavens like we've never seen. You need to get His Spirit in you. It's the only way to get out of this world and escape the coming judgment of God. Amen. It's a divine word. Hallelujah. I will put my spirit in you. Third thing I want to say about it, about this word, and there's a lot I could say. It's a separating word. You might say, when I preach, you're talking about, everybody's talking about how we need to be brought together. How we need to come to some consensus. How we need to reach agreement. I want to say this. There's some things that will not mix in our world. Darkness and light don't mix. Amen. Bitterness and sweetness don't mix. Hatred and love don't mix. Violence and Christianity do not mix. Are you hearing me? I, I want to tell you that there are things that have been done wrongly because people didn't have the Spirit of God on both sides of this. I want to tell you that the problem is men don't know Jesus. The problem is men don't have the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, amen, causes us to care and be concerned and love one another. I, I want to say this. When we, when we had the, the rally in Richmond up at the courthouse with the Black Lives Matter movement, and we we were there and the mayor was there and a lot of public officials and, and a lot of people were there voicing their opinions and, and our church and I'm not saying this to, for any other reason other than to make an illustration some of our young people right on the courthouse yard had set up a tent and brought water and refreshments and offered prayer and just reaching out to people and many many people appreciated that and I went there to, that day to spend some time there with them and was there at the courthouse and I saw something that disturbed me in the midst of all of the many legitimate statements and all the things that was going on I watched a young man walk up to where we were amen I'm going to say it he was a young white man. He had on a t-shirt with just unbelievable of unbelievable vulgarity and filth on it had nothing to do with what was going on. He was doing something just trying to inflame everything around him. And I watched him as he was so young 
wet behind the ears, probably 20 years old, and he was so tore up about what was going on. And I thought, man, you don't know anything. You're not old enough to know anything about anything. But I, I just looked at him and thought, no, his problem is what's inside of him is not what he needs. He needs God's spirit in him, hallelujah, to point him in the direction of deliverance. Amen. It's a separating word. Those who have his spirit in him, listen, are new creatures. When you're a new creature, you don't wound people. When you're a new creature, you don't hate people. When you're a new creature, you don't respond like the world responds. Those who have not his spirit in them, he said, are none of his. Acts 15 and 10. In Acts chapter 15, the, the early church disciples, there was dispute about Gentiles receiving the gospel and those Jewish believers that had received it and what restrictions, restraints, how they should treat them differently. But I want you to listen to what happened with the apostles. Now therefore, they said, why tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they held their peace, James, the half-brother of the Lord, answered and said, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, Simon Peter has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. Listen, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles, that's us, to take out of them a people for his name. I want to tell you, it was a separating word. You and I need to understand that the traditions and the things of the past that we hold on to are not the answer. It's the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Can I say this? America, the ship is sinking we're in trouble. Amen. Body of Christ, open your eyes. It's not time to pay, play political games. It's a time to pray until the river of God begins to flow out of the body of Christ to bring healing. Amen. To bring an end to the COVID pandemic. To bring an end to the division in our land. To bring an end to the violence and the hatred. The only thing that's going to work is a real old-fashioned blood-bought gospel preaching Holy Ghost revival in America today. If I may quote Spurgeon again. He said this. He said, we're not to cling to the old wreck, the old ship with the expectations that we can pump water out of her and get her safely to port. He said, no, the cry is very different. And then he shouted out twice, take the lifeboat. Take the lifeboat. Jesus is the lifeboat. Let me tell you, that old wreck you're trying to hold on to to ride out the storm in will suck you down into destruction. Whether you're holding on to wealth power, fame, sensuality, amen, entertainment, whether you're caught up in drugs, sex, alcohol, whether politics and power is your game, it will destroy you. First John chapter 2, 15 said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, hear me, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. He said then in verse 17, the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God will live forever. I want to say it again. I will 
put my spirit in you. When I say it's a separating word, I mean it separates you from the world. It separates you from the world's behavior. It causes you to do what Jesus would do, to say what Jesus would say, to love like Jesus would love, to pray like Jesus would pray, and to preach what Jesus said to preach. Amen. Well, it's not only a separating word, but I want to say it, it is, in a sense, a uniting word. It's what will bring us together, my spirit in you. When God's Holy Spirit comes in, it's not a spirit of the world. It's not a tradition. It's not a religious pattern. It's Him, God, living in you. But He, he that is, 1 Corinthians six seventeen said, but He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Then He says, flee fornication. Every sin that man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. Now, verse 19, what? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your spirit, amen, and your body which are God's. Why does God use so many times the illustration of fornication, you know, infidelity of the marriage to represent man's broken relationship with him. I was saying this morning that back in the book of Numbers and when they were in the wilderness and God was speaking to them and he was telling them about the Nazarite laws and how and there's recorded of how he, he carried them through that wilderness and that generation would die and he would prepare the next generation to go into the land of Canaan. And one of the things that God did was it said, if a woman lays with another man, commits fornication and not with her husband. Or even if the husband is overtaken by a spirit of jealousy and suspects it, they would come to the priest and the priest would take a handful of wheat which represented the word of God and put it in the woman's hands. And then he would take water purified holy water which represented the Holy Spirit and pour it over her. And the Bible said that if she was guilty that her belly would swell and her thigh would rot and she would become a curse uh, in the view of all the people. And she was innocent and it was just jealousy on the man's part that she would walk in health. And I, I read that and I thought, man, that seems unusually cruel. But then I began to think about America. America, amen, that was founded on the principles of the Bible, the Word of God in Christ being in us and the Holy Spirit being our guide. America that in our early days it was reported that our strength was not our military or our great government or our great politicians, but our strength was the fire in our pulpits and the Holy Ghost in the churches. America today is like that infidel woman walking with a swelling belly and a rotten thigh. America's dying because God's Spirit has been rejected by and large by most of the country. So it's a uniting word that when we understand we've been bought, we belong to God. We, bring, we are His. He wants to live in us. And finally, I want to say this word. He said, I'll put my spirit in you. It's a condescending word. What do I mean by a condescending word? It means that God leaves heaven and comes down to you. You hear me? You have no means to get up to Him. He comes down to you. Isaiah 1 and 18 said, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. They'll be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. If you are willing 
and obedient and will hear me and receive my spirit, God says you'll eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. I want to say this. This is a terrible time we're in. All this going on, all this going on in America, all this going on around the world. Amen. We, we, we are, a, as a nation, turning to hate other nations. We, we are, as a nation, hating one another. And, and you can say what you will. But I was recalling this morning the little boy back in the fourth grade that I was back a long, long time ago. And a little school teacher I had. Amen. That was an elderly lady that lived not far down the road from where we lived. And she knew the story of my brothers and I, how that our mother had died when I was four years old, tragically in an accident. And she used to come by through the summer and check on us and see how we were. But I remember that little precious woman standing up in front of that fourth grade class. And every morning she would, amen, she'd say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. She'd recite the Lord's Prayer. And then she'd read us a Bible story. And she'd tell us what it meant and share the gospel with us. And she'd always end by saying this children remember God loves you and I thought man how it's changed since then prayer's not allowed in school Bible readings not allowed. you can't even mention God in school the ten commandments are gone from public buildings amen and we as a country have said God we don't want you and we, we see America what it's become and, and I want to tell you I don't blame the Democrats. I don't blame the Republicans. I don't blame this group or that group or the different movement. I blame a country that has said we no longer want his spirit in us. But if he puts his spirit in you, he comes down. God himself will come to you. He loves you. He loves you if you're drug addicted. He loves you if you're filled with hate and resentment. He loves you if you've been offended and brutalized. He loves you if you've never experienced any of it and just joining in the bandwagon. The Bible said God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I'm going to close with these scriptures, Isaiah 57 and 15. He said, For thus saith the high and lofty one that lives in eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that's of a contrite and humble spirit. If you'll humble yourself, if you'll come repenting and brokenhearted, he said, I'll revive your spirit of the humble, and I will revive the heart of the contrite ones, of those that are broken. And then again, I want to say it. God says, I will put my spirit in you. My Holy Spirit will live in you. This word I know is a strong word. But God is trying to reach out, I believe, to America, to the pulpits, to the churches. I believe God's trying to reach out to government officials. God's trying to reach out to the rich and famous. God's trying to reach out to people who are in positions to be a positive influence who are being so negative today. Listen, you, you might, what you say might be popular and trendy now, but when you're old and gray-headed, how are you going to feel about what you're saying if you live to see that? When, when you're in a place of your head pressing a dying pillow and eternity's the next step, how are you going to feel about what you've said, what you've done, how you've lived? I mentioned this earlier yesterday. They buried a, a man of God, a dear friend. And I listened as person after person proclaimed that how from the time he was a young boy, his desire was to preach the gospel and to reach out and minister to people not just at home but around the world. I know that call. I know that feeling. And I want to tell you one day, like him, we're going to stand before God, every one of us, every one of us. And public opinion won't matter then. What will matter is, is his spirit
in you. That's what's going to matter. Amen. Political affiliation won't matter then. Is his spirit in you. Church denomination will mean nothing then. Is his spirit in you. God said, I will put my spirit in you. And it will make the difference. You'll live your life like Jesus if his spirit's in you. Do you know him today? Holy God wants to come to unholy man and live in you. If you don't know him, will you pray with us? Will you say, Jesus, say it right where you are. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. God, let your Holy Spirit, by your Spirit, sir, come and take over my life and live in me. I today had thought so much about miracles that I've known of. Lives transformed. Dr. Tom Renfro, over 20 years ago, dying with cancer, but because of a man of God, amen, Glenn Sturgill and a praying wife and the faith that Tom Renfro had, amen, his story has went around the world, how that God raised him up and healed him miraculously and gave him a ministry as a practicing physician. And then just this past summer, doing garden work, got bit by poison snake the devil's still trying to take him out but I saw just last week recovered and doing well and, and blessed his blessed wife Sid almost died because the enemy reached out against them nothing to do with COVID amen another attack but they're both healed you know why the spirit of God lives in them hallelujah I've come to tell you today wherever you are amen those that are watching in hospitals at home smitten stricken by COVID or whatever I want to tell you I want to release his spirit his anointing his healing in your life today just say Lord Jesus come to me I need you Lord in Jesus name Amen and said I we hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.